We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Podcast. This is an OEP Extra from SEC Media Days in Nashville. My guest today, Jason Caldwell of Auburn Undercover, has been covering Auburn for a long time. Talked to Jason about Hugh Freeze, year one at Auburn, and so many other things related to Auburn, the upcoming football season, and the SEC West. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, I want to tell you that all of my coverage from Nashville is brought to you by Hillco Insurance. Do you hate losing games? Do you hate losing players? Do you hate paying for your insurance? If you said yes to those questions, Davey Ferris can help. Davey is partnered with the Grove Collective and will be donating 20% of all commissions and 10% of all renewals on both personal and commercial insurance policies. Davey and Hillco Insurance are sponsoring rebelgrove.com's and MPW Digital's coverage of SEC Media Days from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Davey can service customers in all 50 states and he's dedicated to making sure Ole Miss Athletics succeeds in this era of college sports. So contact Davey Ferris at 214-715-7247 or via email at dferris, that's D-F-A-R-R-I-S at hillcoinsurance.com. Now here's Jason Caldwell of Auburn Undercover. Jason Caldwell of Auburn Undercover joins. You've been on the Auburn beat for how long now? 20, uh, it's 24 years. Wow. Can you believe we're that old? That's my, the thing that has struck me this week walking around. It's the first one of these I've covered in two or three years is how old we're all getting. It, I feel old, and yet I have a six-year-old at home. So it makes me it makes me feel old, and I'm going, I, I'm a long way from, from, from not working anymore. So, no, it's uh, it's good. I'm glad I'm glad to be in Nashville rather than Atlanta. It's a better, better fit. I don't know that I'll be tricking to Dallas next year, so this might end the streak for me. Yeah, the Dallas thing feels like the olive branch, but it, it, it also feels like the one-off that probably is not going to go the way that the SEC wants it to go. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's, I understand it from a Texas-Oklahoma standpoint, but, yeah, for, uh, for those of us who've been used to going to Hoover for years, and um, I don't know that flying to SEC Media Days is probably going to be in the cards. All right, Hugh Freeze made his appearance at SEC Media Days, first time at SEC Media Days since... I guess 2017, yes. literally a week or so before he was fired at Ole Miss. Um, what's the sense around Auburn people about Hugh Freeze? Um, I, I remember t- 
telling you during the search that I thought it's real funny. I told people all along and people couldn't put the fan thing away. You know, I said, Lane Kiffin and Auburn is a bad fit. Not that Lane's a bad coach or that Auburn's a bad place, just bad, bad fit. Yeah. And I said, Hugh Freeze and Auburn are symbiotic. I mean, they really fit one another. I know he hadn't played a game yet. He's undefeated and hasn't won yet, but it, from the outside looking in, it looks like Auburn people have really taken to him. Yeah, no, it, you're right. When John Cohen talked about it, he used the word fit several times before he ever hired a coach. And you're right, it, Hugh Freeze has been that fit so far. You never know how it happens. You never know how it works and what's going to happen two, three, four years from now. But it feels like the fit for a couple of reasons. One of it is he's a guy that is that small-town guy who go to golf course, go, go to the you know supermarket, whatever it is. To me, that's something that had to happen at Auburn. It had not happened in quite a while. Since, really since Somerville, since we were on the beat together, you had coaches that were that were they were fits in some ways, but not in that way. And, and, and it, Auburn is, I mean, the family thing gets thrown around. It is a cliche thing that gets thrown around, but it's absolutely a real part of things at Auburn. And I think he understands that. He's also a guy that admits it. Hey, made mistakes. He made mistakes. It cost him the second chance opportunity. Um, I think is a big deal for him. And so those two things, and a guy that understands every day it's about recruiting. For two years, that was not the case at all. You got to have players. There's, you can be the greatest coach in the world. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, those guys are really good football coaches. But Nick Saban also lost a bunch of games his first year at Alabama. Well, if you're the greatest coach in the world and players don't matter, then that wouldn't happen. Um, you got to have players, and Auburn's got to have more players. They understand that. And, and can you get to that point to win enough games um, to get more of those guys? That's how you start to compete against the Alabamas and Georgia. I'll move forward in a minute, but I'm curious you covered it. The Harson thing appeared to go wrong from the very <laughs> beginning. What – if you're doing the autopsy on Brian Harson's years at Auburn, what what all's in the details? If you ask me what went wrong, I was going to say everything. Um, that's it. It was. You want to talk about fit? Then you talk about the worst fit. It was the worst fit. Uh, he's a guy that's a good football coach. You don't get to be where these guys are without being a good football coach. But you also have to understand where your feet are. And if your feet are in the Southeastern Conference, and we just talked about it, if your feet are in the Southeastern Conference, the, the first order of business is to go get good players. Um, everybody can coach. Everybody has good players. You better go get as many of them as you can, and you're not going to out-coach people. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I think that in the end, he'd been places where he could, hey, well, we're, we're good enough. You know, being a football coach at Boise State, to me, is like being a basketball coach at Murray State or VCU. No matter who it is, those guys are always pretty good. Well, you, know, you just fit in there, you, you take it on, and you just kind of keep it between the rails. Well, that doesn't work in the South Asian Conference if, if you don't have the players. And he just never understood the recruiting side of things. The head coach, if the assistant coaches, they can do, only do so much. If the head coach isn't involved and he isn't recruiting, then you got troubles. And in the end, they weren't going to get enough good players. And, and he freeze took over in just two years' time and had to almost rework the roster just in two years' time. Um, another year or two, and I don't know how long it would have taken. I, I said it in, in October, had a change not been made, I thought this was a 3 win all the team. 
now I think they have a chance to compete with people because of what's been done. That would not have happened without a coaching change. Let's talk about the Auburn job because it can be an elite job. It can be a top ten job, certainly. But right now, you've got Alabama on the – we'll talk about Bama in a minute, but they've dominated the sport for 15 years. And you've got now Georgia, Auburn's other big rival, won two titles in a row. Kirby's recruiting at a really high level, and they're favored to win another one. How diff- how much do those two factors kind of affect the way the Auburn job is, is viewed, the way, what Auburn's ceiling is, that kind of thing? You mean Georgia's not going 7-5? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I had to say that. No. Um, it, you know, when I look at it, people talk about, you know, toughest schedules and, and they throw Auburn in there going, oh, it's one of the toughest schedules. When this is a, as easy as a schedule as Auburn has, you get Alabama, Georgia at home, this is as easy as it gets. And it's still one of the top five toughest in the country. That's, that's what you have. What we don't know is what it'll look like moving forward. What's the schedule going to look like when it gets to 16 teams? Well, you play Georgia every year. We don't we don't know those things. But what you know is when you're playing in this league, it's going to be hard. Um, and having those two teams as your rival has made it extremely difficult. I said it when Gus Malzahn, starting with, with probably with Gus, Gus to Brian Harson now to Hugh Freeze, I don't think there's a tougher job in the country than Auburn. There may be some as tough. I don't know if there's anything tougher because you're two rivals. Um your recruiting area, throw Clemson into the mix, Florida State coming back, and now everybody in the country coming to Georgia, to Alabama, to Mississippi, and recruiting. You all of a sudden you go, those those kids that you just, oh, well, if, Georgia, if they don't go to Georgia, we're probably going to get them. Now it doesn't work that way anymore. you got to get back to that point. Can, can Auburn become the number two school in Georgia again, or three or four? That's what you got to get to. But... No, it's hard. It's it's a difficult job, but the pieces are there, and it's it's a program that has done it and will do it again. Um, so that makes it a job that you go, yeah, it's it's hard, but it's not impossible. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So one of the reasons I think Auburn's the wild, one of one of the wild cards this year is, look, I don't think Auburn's winning the West. I don't think that's in the cards. Uh, but Hugh, I go back to Hugh Freeze's first year at Ole Miss in 2012. He inherited an absolute train wreck. Uh, they went 2-10 and ten the year before. I'm not sure how they won two. And uh, one of them was Fresno. So, I mean, they were, they were awful. 2-10. and ten, uh, Don't think they won a league game the whole year. Um, the, the culture off the field was awful. The culture in the locker room was awful. 
And he took that team and they went six and six. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but they went six and six. And if I remember, they beat Auburn, they beat Arkansas. They went to a bowl game in Birmingham and won it. And he recruited at a really high level. That was the year they got Kim Dietschy and Tunsil and all yeah. those guys. He changed culture at Ole Miss so fast inside that locker room. And I've told people, hey, look, you can think what you want to think about Hugh Freeze, about things that he did in the past or whatever, but the guy's an expert motivator, especially when he inherits kind of a beat-down group. And I'm wondering how much of a beat-down group did he inherit and how much do you think he can repeat that magic in year one at Auburn? Yeah, um, I think it's a, a little more beat-down than guys before him did. But, I mean, just, you know, you can think back to, you know, Tommy Tuberville takes over a pretty beat-down group after 98. 2000, they win the West. Gene Chizik takes over a group in 2008 that wasn't very good. Two years later, they win the National Championship. Obviously, yeah, Kim. But year one, they, they made a bowl game. You know, Gus takes over. 2012 was as bad an Auburn team as I can remember. And then, of course, you had Nick Marshall in. He was going to play for a National Championship. And they got some breaks along the way. So, we've seen that it, it turned pretty quickly at Auburn at times. Um, I think this is a little bit more. Those were just some teams that had some players in place. But scheme fit system didn't equate. I do think that's part of this one. They were playing the system the last two years that was designed for a, a Tom Brady. I mean, like your, your pocket pass or those kind of things. Now you go back to spreading it out, which is what these kids do. This is They grow up doing those things. So whether it's Robbie Ashford or Peyton Thorne or whoever at quarterback, it's a much more quarterback-friendly system. That's where it starts. But do they have enough playmakers? In the end, that's it. I mean, you look at Georgia, you look at Alabama, Look at LSU when they won the national championship. Quarterbacks get a lot of attention, but those dudes catching the ball and running it and scoring touchdowns, wide receivers, tight ends, those guys, if you don't have game breakers at that position, it's really hard to score. And do they have enough of those guys? They've gone out, transfer portal, doing some of those things. In the end, that's where this one will will lie. Um, They went out and helped themselves a lot on the offensive line. They had no choice. Um, Defensive line, they added guys. But to me, that's the word playmaker. If they can find some playmakers, then they can go out and compete and challenge. And even last year, with the disaster that it was, you fire a coach during the season. Um, I mean, they're playing Mississippi State in week one of Cadillac Williams running the show, and Will Friend has a whiteboard on the bench behind chairs drawing up plays during a game, and they lost in overtime. He takes A&M at home. Ran for 400 yards against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I mean, They've shown that there's some pieces there. I don't know that there's enough, like you said, to, to maybe compete every week. But I think this is a team that can compete week in and week out and give themselves chances. And right now, that, that'd be a pretty good thing. Do you expect Jacquez Hunter to be on that team? You know, right now, I, I still think that I would lean towards him playing this year. Um, whether that's – does he have to miss any time? I don't know that. Um, they're still waiting. You know how these things go. 25 years ago, we would probably know because it would have been something done by the university. Nowadays, it's all turned over. Somebody else does it, and they wait on the results just like everybody else. So, um, you know, right now, I would I would lean towards him playing. Um, if he does, obviously, it's a big big deal for them. But they they got a pretty good running back room, um, an offensive line group that I think will be able to run the football. But I would lean towards him playing this fall. But it's just kind of the the, the tea leaves I'm hearing right now. I thought it was interesting that Hugh Freeze, who I covered him for six years, Hugh Freeze loves calling plays. He's he's a ball coach. I thought it was interesting that he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, Philip Montgomery's going to call the plays, the former Tulsa uh, coach. 
how, how difficult do you sense that's going to be for him to kind of let go of those reins, and, and how do you think that ultimately plays out? I, I think he's he's pretty comfortable with it. Um, in the spring, he, he kind of did roamed around and did some things in practice and went and talked to guys. I think he senses now in, in you know, at Liberty it may be a little bit different, but in, in the SEC there's so much that you have to do other than be a play caller. And on Saturdays there's so much you have to do other than just call plays that he's kind of, I think, morphed a little bit into that. And, and having a guy like Phil Montgomery I think makes it easier. This is a guy that's proven that has done it and done it at a high level. Maybe if it's a guy that you're like, I'm going to have to watch a little bit on him, it might be a different story. But here's what they do in the end. They'll, they'll collaborate um, in, in game planning, developing those things. My guess is is that red zone, he will be the red zone play caller. He'll say, look, you handle everything else. I'll focus on that to where you, we'll, we'll work together and do those things. I could see him doing some of those things, but he's been pretty comfortable with it so far. Um, and, and I think he's kind of trusted that, hey, this is what we need to do. A lot of talk about offense. What do you expect on defense from Auburn? Yeah, um, a lot of new faces. Now, the secondary should be really good. Um, you know, Nehemiah Pritchett's back. DJ James is back. Keontae Scott, three good corners. Jalen Simpson, they they got some guys back there. Had to bring in some help at linebacker. One of those comes from, from Ole Miss. Um, and, and defensive line has a lot of depth, a lot of big bodies. They bring in Justin Rogers from Kentucky. Got Jason Jones back. So they got two big body guys inside. Bring in a transfer from Maryland, another one from Purdue. Can they, can they find a pass rushing edge? Um, that's one of the keys. You've got to be able to rush a passer. So Jalen McLeod from um, App State is one of the guys. Uh, bring in Steven Sings from Liberty is another guy. True freshman. Um, Keldrick Falk, 6'6", 280. Big, you know, um, big physical kid. Much the same for me on defense as it is a wide receiver. Can you find a playmaker? Um, if you find a playmaker that, that disrupts out of that defensive front, then I think they got a chance to, to be pretty good. If you don't, then it becomes really hard. It becomes really difficult if you're not getting pressure on third and five because you got to start bringing the extra guy, and that puts you in, in some, some compromising situations. So that'll be my ultimate thing. If I look up at the end of the year and they've got a guy that's had seven or eight sacks and created some of that disruption, I think then they'll have a chance because I think they're going to stop the run. I think they got some size, but – Man, if you don't if you don't affect the quarterback, it's really hard in this day and age to, to go to and, and uh, can they grab one of those guys from the portal and, and turn him into that guy? Ole Miss heads to Auburn week seven. It's kind of a they don't play next year, so it'll be the last time they see each other for a little while. And there's some stuff there. There's the Kiffin stuff. There's Freeze having coached at Ole Miss. There's all of that. Do you anticipate that that's going to be kind of a, a nasty environment, or, or do you think enough things will have? kind of gone under the bridge by then that it would just be another SEC football game. Yeah, I don't think it would be nasty. I, I think, you know, uh, the good thing you know about it is, is I think two guys go, hey, just coach our football teams. And you, you know, if it's week one and you have all that build up, probably a different scenario. Um, now, it could get interesting if if one of them is either really high or really low. Then it could get a little bit more interesting because then it, it creates even more of a you know, tension maybe. But, no, I don't expect it to be that. I mean, in this league, you're going to have – kind of creative rivalries, you'll have things that go on and, and it's tough and you can't put all your eggs in one basket in the Southeastern Conference because the next week you have to do it again. And so I think in the end it'll be a football game. Um, it'll get a lot of talk, you know, that week and then once they kick it off it'll be another football game. All right, last thing, the last time we get to do this where we get to talk about how you see the West playing out. 
won't be a east or a west next year, but there is this year. So someone from the west is going to go to Atlanta and probably play Georgia. How do you see that race playing out? Yeah, I would probably lean towards LSU, even though I, I'm not, you know, I, I say that I've said this this week. The only team I feel pretty sure that what I'm going to see is, is Georgia, even though they don't have a quarterback yet. I, I still know what Georgia's going to be. LSU, I feel like I know what they're going to be, but I also have an LSU team that lost four games that I saw Auburn play toe-to-toe with, and Jalen Daniels didn't play very good against Auburn. So I have that memory in my back. Alabama, they've recruited at a high level. They always recruited at a high level. Um, But they lost a ton of guys on defense, and they have a quarterback issue. Who's it going to be, and is he the guy? Um, A&M is is my wild card. They can be 4-8. and They can be 10-2. and They got a tough schedule. Um, that factors into this as well. I mean, that's, that's a difficult scenario. You see, to say, I mean, there's so many questions in this league, you know, transfers, new quarterbacks, new coaches. It could, it could bounce a bunch of different ways, but I lean towards LSU because the guys they have coming back because of Jalen uh, Daniels and you know, some of those pieces. But, again, um, I, I, nothing would surprise me other than, you know, maybe it flipping upside down. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of – a lot more upsets than we were used to. We even saw some of that last year. Yeah, I was doing a show in Little Rock a little while ago, and I said it's as hard to pick who's going to finish second as it is who's going to finish sixth. I, 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 I know less about what I think I'm going to see than I ever have. I mean, doing this, like I said, grew up watching SEC football, and the days of, well, pencil in this roster because this is what it's going to look like next year. They're probably over with. It's already happened in basketball where it changes so completely. Now it happens in football. It's a drastic change. I don't know what I'll see other than it's going to be fun and uh, looking forward to it. Me too. Thanks so much for joining. Yes, sir. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.